Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. I am Virgil Walker, and I would be excited to allow my partner at this point to step in uh, and let you know that uh, that he is here. But unfortunately, uh, my dear brother Daryl is not with me uh, on this broadcast. I will tell you, it is uh, definitely a challenge for me, and he said it it has been in the past for him, uh, whenever one or the other of us is not here. We are definitely, um, you know, two peas in a pod uh, with one another. And here's the thing. I've, I've appreciated the feedback uh, from our our listeners at the times when, when I've had to go solo. It's really only been one time that I've had to go solo uh, where I think during that podcast we talked about uh, the issue of abortion and uh, and walked through some of the dynamics around that. And so uh, I've had one, one crack at it. This will be my second time around. So this is not something that we do often. Uh, but from time to time, uh, travel arrangements and different things, schedules and things like that end up coming up. Uh, as many of you, if you're a regular listener to our broadcast, know uh, that uh, Brother Dale is planning uh, to leave from Atlanta and head out uh, to the West Coast. I call it the left coast uh, as he's about to kind of team up uh, with the folks out there at GTY. I'm excited for him uh, and, and all that he's got in store. I know he's got a lot of things brewing from uh, everything from trying to plan to sell a house to purchasing a home and, and all of that. And so he'd asked me uh, during this episode to pick up uh, the ball and, uh, and carry it for us. Now, with that as a setup, um, I'm excited to talk to you about uh, the topic uh, that we're going to cover on tonight. Uh, and and the, the reason why uh, I'm, I'm excited about it is because I, I really want us to recognize um, the current cultural climate that we're in. Uh, one of the things that, that I love uh, is as far as... Um, Writing and 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 blogging and uh, the very the very reason that we have this particular podcast is as I really enjoy reading uh, Daryl's um, blog and uh, you can you can check that out by going to justthinking.me justthinking.me and and some of the ideas and thought processes he has as he navigates through world events, through cultural issues, and, and always our goal and effort on this podcast in particular, on this broadcast in particular, is to push those ideas through a biblical worldview, through a biblical lens. And we're going to do just that tonight. I wanted to, wanted to make sure that, that those who um, have had a chance to absorb, and I've, I've, I've heard and listened to a lot of different commentary on this subject, uh, but but I, I wanted to approach it from a couple of different points of view. Uh, the subject that I'm talking about is uh, the issue of Christian singer Lauren Daigle. And uh, she's come under fire uh, recently in two ways. One was that she had gone on to perform on the uh, Ellen DeGeneres show. And I think that the pushback there from, from folks... Uh, who are in Christian circles was that, you know, she's a Christian who holds certain beliefs and here she is on a secular show, secular format with someone who is a uh, homosexual and uh, how that that shouldn't be the case. They shouldn't, you know, the, the two shouldn't kind of combine. And, and, and I know there are a lot of uh, there are a variety of, of ideas and thoughts around that. Um, she's expressed some of the reasons why she made the decision to go on that show. Uh, and most of them primarily uh, were were around uh, the promotion of of her as an artist, uh, her desire to be exposed to a wider uh, audience. There are others who say, you know, there's never a reason uh, to go on uh, that show, uh, and and uh, and the reason that one shouldn't go on the show is because the person who is hosting the show uh, is an, an avowed. Uh, homosexual uh, has promoted uh, the issue of homosexuality. 
Um, again, I, I, my goal is not to not to to discuss that, but to to discuss the more recent uh, interaction that she that Lauren Daigle actually had about the issue of homosexuality. So let me kind of I want to read to you from an article, uh, and 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 I I chose this particular article because it was from a um, a, a worldview that isn't Christian, right? This comes from the, the Friendly Atheist. It was printed on December seventh uh, of two thousand eighteen, and it said Christian singer is criticized for saying she's not sure if homosexuality is a sin. So let me give you a little bit of, of kind of the run up. Most everybody I'm imagining uh, is aware of uh, this particular issue, this particular um, comment that she made. Uh, but let me read you the article. It says, uh, Daigle's, um, let me go back. It says, uh, after appearing on the Ellen DeGeneres show, Christian singer Lauren Daigle has come under fire from conservatives for refusing to give a, pardon the pun, straight answer on whether or not homosexuality is a sin. Daigle's response came when she was a featured guest on the Dominic Natty uh, show on iHeartRadio last week. Natty is a celebrity publicist, uh, post, posted a 10-minute telephone interview with Daigle to YouTube, titling it, uh, quote, Lauren Daigle doesn't know if homosexuality is a sin, end quote. He asked Daigle, 27, uh, who's known for the hits, quote, how can it be, end quote, and quote, you say, end quote, a direct question due to her recent performance on the Ellen show. And here's the question. Do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? And so th- this was kind of the setup, the backdrop. Uh, as you listen to this, this YouTube clip, it sounds as if um, the, the Dominic and, um, and, uh, and, and Lauren uh, Daigle n- know one another, at least are familiar with each other enough. There's a very friendly banter. There's a very friendly exchange kind of back and forth. And, and he even... Um, you know, doesn't it doesn't sound as if uh, he wants to put her in a bind. He doesn't want to force her to make comments on things either a she's not comfortable with or uh, doesn't know the answer to. So he kind of sets things up uh, for her. And so I want to I want to kind of walk you through what she said in particular, and then I want to go back through and 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 take a look at it and kind of break it down. This isn't the only story that I want to talk about. I want to I want to examine a couple of other instances where even in the past week, um, these stories have kind of unfolded. Uh, first, from a Christian perspective, that is with Daigle, uh, who is a professed believer who is navigating and dealing with issues around the LGBTQ community. I then want to turn the page and look at. Uh, and at the manner in which the LGBT community is responding to those who don't hold a particularly Christian worldview. And uh, I want to examine them for their differences and, and then make some commentary about that. So here, here's what, what took place in the interview. Um, initially, there was just some banter back and forth with Daigle uh, and Dominic. And, and uh, what, what I, I, there are a couple things that she said that, were, that caught my attention. Uh, the very first part of the interview, um, uh, Dominic had kind of talked to her about some of the pushback that she's been receiving from the, the the Christian community about going on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And uh, her commentary was, you know, you know, well, he, he you know, that th- was my choice. It was kind of what I decided to do. She said, she said uh, th- they, they kind of came with with these uh, these responses. It was it was said that this was what was said, quote, the second you start to step outside of what people want you to do, that's when the criticism comes, end quote. It was interesting from there where she took things next. She said, quote, they are not in a position to make these kinds of decisions. So how could I expect them to make this decision, end quote. Now, what she's referring to there is that the decision to go on an Ellen DeGeneres show or, to, or the decision to make some of the moves in some of the spaces and places where she is those those aren't those aren't your choices to make. Those aren't my th- th- that choice is not my choice to make. We're not in the position she is in, and so because of the fact that we're not in a position that she's in, it's definitely incumbent upon her to be the person to make the decision as to where she would go and what she would do and and how she would 
respond. She would. She then said this, quote, Ellen is a bundle of light, and, uh, end quote. The, the commentator and her kind of go back and forth about how foolish it would be for her to turn down the Ellen DeGeneres show and that it would probably, quote, end your career, end quote. And so as I as I listen to this kind of banter back and forth, you know, I, I whether or not she decided to go on the Ellen DeGeneres show, I I, I really it's really irrelevant to me um, personally. And, and some may disagree with me regarding this. I don't I really don't have a problem that she went on the Ellen DeGeneres show. I, I have absolutely no problem at all. Um, that she went on the show. I, my my challenge would be, what do you do once you're on the show? What what is what is my concern as she was on this show? Uh, was what is she singing about? Uh, is she presenting the gospel? Is she you know it, what does that sound like? What does that look like? Anytime we are in a position to um to minimize um the truth to water down the gospel. I think, I think that's when the problem comes in appearing on the show. I, I, I could care less. Um, what do you say once you're there? You know, if, if I'm able to be there, uh, on the Ellen DeGeneres show, for example, I, I I would even venture, I would even venture to say this. If Ellen called myself and, and, and Daryl to come onto the show, um, you know, again, I, I, I'm, I am definitely Robin. He's Batman. So he could, he could decide we ain't going and I'm good with that. <laughs> but just from my perspective, I had no problem going at all. Daryl said, Hey bro, Ellen called. They want us to appear. Let's go. I'd have no problem in going. My issue would be so long as once I got there, None of what I would say about Christ and him crucified, about the message of the gospel, uh, about questions regarding a biblical worldview, uh, that that I would not be in a position where those where those ideas or thought processes would have to be watered down or muted or backed off of. Now, again, Daryl, by, by all means, recognize and that that, that Daryl is is the is the lead dog. Uh, who runs the show and and it would definitely be i i, w- I would definitely give deference to what Daryl decided he wanted to do this this show is based upon his writings his blog um and and i'm definitely a, a definitely co lead in this process but with that said, if he said let's go i'd have no problem in going and and for those who would have a problem with that 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 would be that would be their call and and again i I'm sure as as my brother listens to this he'll 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 correct me on on what we will or won't do otherwise but but I'd have no problem not going i'm i'm my issue is not in the going or not going my issue is in what do I say once i'm there how how am I allowed? to represent Christ in a biblical worldview. That, that's, the, that's the actual point that I'm wanting to make uh, with regard to the, to the initial part of the process. What, what happens there next is, is Lauren is asked a pretty direct question. And the direct question that she's asked has everything to do with, with a biblical worldview. And what, what does the Bible say about this issue? She was asked this, quote, Since you were on Ellen... Let me ask you, do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? End quote. Since you were on Ellen, do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? Let me, let me full on read her response. She says this, quote, I can't honestly answer on that in the sense of I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual. I, and I don't know. I had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. I'm not God. So when people ask questions like that, that's my go-to, is like, I just say, read the Bible and find out for yourself. Because, and when you find out, let me know, because I'm learning too. The, the, that's a direct quote from what she shared. Now, I, I want to go back and unpack 
a couple of things that I mean, there's more than a couple of things that 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 I believe are problematic with that response. But but let's let's deal with it from this standpoint. This is a Christian singer, uh, someone who professes Christ, uh, someone who has gained and obtained a platform based on her giftings. I don't I don't know where where Lauren attends church. Um, I don't know what she um, represents or or, or you know, in the way of, of theological education or training. But what 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 this causes me to recognize is that those that we, you know, those who who are in contemporary Christian music, CCM, or just Christian music, um, if this is the level of theological acumen that these people have, it should be a telltale sign for us, uh, those who listen to this music, and oftentimes, sadly enough, who begin to play this music in our our churches as as songs that we worship to, we need to take a step back and and examine what what are these people teaching? Because what we have is this person who's come on the scene who has an incredible gift of of singing, has come onto the scene and and has garnered a massive Christian following, and. We've not checked out what they believe, why they believe it, or or how they're expressing it. Only to later learn that she's of of the things that she's uncertain about with regard to what is sin. This this isn't rocket science. Anybody who's spent any time in the scripture should be able to come up with an answer. And and we could begin uh, in Genesis, right? Genesis chapter one. Uh, in in the beginning, God would create them, male and female. He created them in His image and likeness. Right, Genesis one twenty seven. We know that that the unit that, that the union that God created is between man and woman, husband and wife. Uh, scripture is clear that the two shall become one flesh, and that nowhere in Scripture do we find any advocacy for same-sex union, same-sex marriage in any way, shape, or form. This is, this is kind of the, the basic Christianity 101. Uh, this isn't, you know, wh- where do you land soteriologically? Help me understand your eschatological position. This is basic stuff, right? Male, female, he created them. The two shall become one flesh. For this reason, for this cause, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his his wife, and so when when you when you see that uh, in the scripture, it's absolutely clear. Now there are all kinds of arguments around. Well, Jesus never said anything against homosexuality. Well, the reality is he didn't have to on a couple of accounts. One is that he was there in the beginning. He was there with the Father in creation from beginning, and knew what the created order entailed. Um, he he knew and understood and and was there uh, from the from the very beginning. And then, as as he enters into uh, creation, right as 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 one who's born of a virgin and lives the perfect life and dies a death he doesn't deserve on a cross, we know and understand completely that he's living in a background in a time where the presupposition in Jewish culture. Uh, is is has has everything bad to say uh, about homosexuality, about any kind of the, the thought process of same sex marriage doesn't even enter the Jewish mind, right? N- not from a biblical worldview, not from a biblical standpoint. And so, the idea that that Lauren can be a believer in you know, 2018 and never have really given much thought as an artist to the issue of homosexuality, I just, I just find ridiculous. It, it, it's, I, it's difficult for me to believe. I have a difficult time believing that that's true. So when you, when you have someone who answers in this way, what they, what they're actually saying is, you know, I've, I've figured out a way to avoid answering by saying, I don't know. I don't know. She said, I had a conversation with someone last night about it. And I was like, 
I can't say one way or the other. Well, the standard of truth is not based upon what she can say. It's based upon what the Scripture actually says. And and so we, we've got to turn to the pages of Scripture in order to know what the Bible actually says about the issue. Now, this would have been a real easy process. She could go to Romans chapter 1, you know, verse 18 through the through the close of the chapter. Uh, she could have gone to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. You know, I mean, she, there's all kinds of, of places that she could have gone to look and know for certain uh, what the what the standard, what the biblical standard is, rather than basing it on two things. In her statement, she bases, bases it on, A, her experience, and her experience is this. She said, um, I, 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 know, I know too many people that I love that are homosexual. Well, the standard of truth is never based upon you knowing people whom you love. And whether or not something is a sin is not based upon knowing people whom you love. I mean, the, 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 you can't say, well, I don't know if pedophilia is a sin because I know people that I love that, that have proclivities uh, to, to, to like uh, children. Let, let, let's, let's take it out of that area and into, into adultery. You know, I, I don't know if adultery is a sin. I know too many adulterers that, that I know that, uh, you know, that I love. You know, I don't know if stealing is a sin because I know too many people that I love that are thieves. I mean, this kind of logic just absolutely does not work on any level in any way, shape or form. She said, I had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. Well, basing your decision on a conversation is not how we anchor truth. We anchor truth according to the word of God. I mean, that that would be what she should have said was, you know what? I, I looked in the Bible last night and, and what I found is that scripture is absolutely clear about this issue. And so that that's where that's where we should be going. We should be looking at what are the pages of scripture have to say uh, about these particular issues. And, and, and really, it's 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 absolutely clear. It's absolutely clear. First um, Corinthians chapter six, verse verse nine and following says this. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV, the Elect Standard Version, since I've got my uh, my ch- my chance to do that tonight. It says this: Or do you not know that that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be d- deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Bottom line, the beauty of the scripture is that the verse actually continues on. Verse 11 continues on and says this, and such were some of you, but you were washed and, you, and were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Here, here's the opportunity missed. Here's the opportunity missed at the end of the day. The opportunity missed for Lauren Daigle was not that, man, you know, she missed it to, to talk about that those sinful homosexuals. That's not the opportunity missed. The opportunity missed was to let people who struggle with the sin of homosexuality or any other sin is for them to know that they can be washed and sanctified and that they can be justified through having a salvific relationship with Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The eternal opportunity missed was that the gospel of Jesus Christ was not proclaimed. This isn't about us as believers getting a, a notch in our belt so that we can say, hey, you know what? It's our chance to tell those old evil uh, homosexuals that they're sinners. This, this isn't what it's about. It's about having the opportunity to tell those who are lost that they can indeed experience being found in Christ. They can experience having their sin washed away, that they can be changed, that they can be renewed, that God uh, sent his son to die 
for their sin. But first they must recognize that they are indeed sinners and have a need for the Savior. The opportunity lost is supposed to be what Lauren Daigle, who's a quote-unquote Christian singer, is all about. Proclaiming Christ in him crucified. Telling others that they can have a relationship with God. That's the opportunity missed. That's the opportunity missed. She ends the statement by saying, uh, read, read the Bible. And, and again, what's sad about that is she didn't take her own advice. Read the Bible. Find out for yourself. Because, and when you find out, uh, let me know because I'm learning too. Because I'm learning too. And uh, I wish she would follow her own advice. Now, again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I got all kinds of responses by folks who um, read this article. I posted it in some social media spaces and places. And, and, and again, you get the kind of the typical response of don't judge, you know, uh, stop judging. Uh, you're, you're, you're spewing hatred. Um, it is, what's hatred is not caring enough to share with others that which saved you. That's hatred. That's hatred. Hatred is not caring enough to share with someone else the love of Christ that you've experienced by the very grace and mercy that he extended to you. And that you're unwilling to share that because what you cherish more is popularity. What you cherish more is that you're in a space so that your career doesn't end. And uh, scripture is clear about that. It, 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 Jesus would, would say, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Now, again, my, 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 my quoting of that is not a, a declaration of where Lauren Daigle is spiritually. I have absolutely no idea. Um, I do know that, that she missed it on, on this opportunity. But before our, our time gets away, I want to I want to examine two other articles. And initially I just had one. But even over the course of the weekend, uh, there was another issue that was raised. And that was this. Kevin Hart uh, steps down as the Oscars host amid a firestorm over past comments. What we dealt with with Lauren Daigle was the pressure that is felt by those who claim to know Christ is so much so that at least Lauren in this instance was willing to kind of back off of any kind of a an absolute response really I would say an, a, a biblical response on this issue but this pressure doesn't simply hold its weight in the in 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 Christian circles it also carries a tremendous weight in secular circles what do i mean well kevin hart uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. You ask him, he might profess Christianity. I, I don't know. Um, but he, for, for those who may not know, Kevin Hart is a, is a comedian who's everywhere. Um, he caught, you know, kind of a firestorm over not comments that he's made um, yesterday, the day before, the week before, uh, months before, but comments that he made years before as it was announced that he was going to become the host of the Oscars. In an article written by James Barrett for the Daily Wire, it says this, Hours after posting a video saying that he had turned down the Academy's demand that he publicly apologized for old tweets, comedian Kevin Hart stepped down as Oscar host amid a firestorm over his past comments about homosexuality. Hart made the announcement on Twitter just after midnight on Friday and quote, he says, quote, I have made the choice to step down from hosting this year's Oscars. This is because I do not want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing, talented artists. I sincerely apologize to the LGBTQ community for my insensitive words from my past, end quote. He wrote this in a series of tweets. Uh, it, it continues, quote, I'm sorry that I hurt people. I am evolving and I want to continue 
to do so. Again, the, the word evolving there is critical. Let me continue with this quote. My goal is to bring people together, not tear us apart. Much love and appreciation to the Academy. I hope we can meet again, period, end quote. So basically, the LGBTQ community, whoever that may be, was upset and, and required an apology. Now, what they were upset about were tweets that, that um, Kevin Hart had made uh, in 2009. Okay, people, we're in 2018. So this is nine years ago uh, in 2011. And these were tweets that he had posted uh, that he had already apologized for. So, so according to the and and I I I really want to establish this because I want our I want our listeners to understand what we're dealing with with the LGBTQ community is a religion, it's religious practice, and and their religious practice from a standpoint of atoning for sin is very different from the biblical worldview that we hold. Their standard is very arbitrary. Their standard is. Um, is, is very kind of open to one's own interpretation. Um, and, and, and though Kevin Hart had atoned for the sin, the quote-unquote sin, of saying some bad or provocative things uh, in, in an old, uh, in, in an old um, not only in tweets, but in, in his show, um, he had, had, uh, had, there was a reference to uh, a stand-up comedic show that he had uh, ha- had you know, had had given where he was afraid that his son was gay. Uh, now he he used pretty explicit language around that. Uh, had some conversation around that uh, that that was that was different. That needed that needed to be you know that that definitely uh, needed to have have viewer, viewer discretion, right? Parental discretion on it. So I'm not condoning Kevin's language. I'm not condoning Kevin's, um, you know, what he shared, what he said. What I'm simply, what I'm simply saying it here is that he had already apologized. He had already atoned for this sin, but unfortunately for him, it was it was insufficient. It, his 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 repentance of this sin, his desire not to not to talk in those kinds of terms that would be found offensive, has been his standard. But unfortunately, due to the religion of the LGBTQ community, this is not sufficient. Um, there needs to be more of an atone of, of 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 atonement. And so, whenever there's something you know good about to happen uh, for for Kevin in this instance, the opportunity for him to be uh, at the Oscars. Um, they find a reason to be upset, not on not not based upon current um, commentary of Kevin Hart, but based upon previous commentary from 2009 and 2011. The, the, the hypocritical nature of this is is really amazing uh, because I can't I can't think of anyone who would want their words looked at previous prior years. In fact, um there was a there was a particular um, um, uh, artist uh, actor uh, who had uh, gone back and looked at some of the folks who were at the award that who would, who will be at uh, the Oscars looked at their old tweets and started posting those tweets up that were homophobic in nature and just kind of said hey listen aren't aren't we going too far aren't we going too far here. Where where we're, we're after we're, we're kind of we're ghost hunting, right? We're looking for things to be upset about, things that have been apologized for, uh, things that have been uh, uh, explained uh, as 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 thoughts that shouldn't have been had, as ideas that shouldn't have been stated, um, and 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 again, those things that just aren't aren't sufficient uh, for the religion of the LGBTQ community as i as i reviewed this i was excited because uh this weekend this past weekend um was we had the the uh the heisman many of you who are listeners to the show uh the, know that that i'm a i'm an oklahoma sooner fan and so uh as an oklahoma sooner fan i was really excited uh 
to see that my man Kyler Murray, quarterback for OU football, uh, was up for the Heisman Award. Now, truth be told, honest as all get out, I really thought there was no way in the world that uh, that he would win. And the reason for my thinking that was I thought there's got to be that, that SEC bias uh, to a Tugavaloa. T- 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 I know I just butchered that last last name. Uh, Tugavailoa uh, was up for the Heisman as well. He is the quarterback uh, for the uh, for, for Alabama. And um, my thought was, you know, this is probably going to go to Tua. And, uh, and and it's a wrap. But but I also, uh, as someone who's watched a lot of, I mean, I watched every snap of OU football. I knew Kyler Murray, how good he was. I knew that his his stats, his numbers uh, were, were, were better in most areas uh, than Tua's. And I thought, man, there might be a chance. There might be an opportunity uh, for him to pull off kind of the upset. And so... As I had the opportunity uh, on that um, on on Saturday Saturday night of uh, where the the Heisman Award show was uh, was planned, watched with great anticipation, like everyone else, only to only to see that my man actually did win the Heisman, and so was extremely excited for him, uh, excited for his family. Uh, all that that kind of took place around that. Really excited to see it happen. It would only be a matter of hours after it was announced that he had won the Heisman Trophy that blogger Scott Gleason, who covers social issues uh, through a sports lens, would expose the fact that when Kyler Murray, now 21 years old, when he was 14 and 15 years old, had actually made some tweets, had actually posted some tweets uh, in social media that were, quote-unquote, anti-gay, right? That they were anti-gay, that there was a gay slur that was used uh, in in the social media space. Uh, and as a result, they, you know, they, they wanted A, that to be known and B, for there to be some kind of reprimand uh, of some sort that would take place. I'm reading this again, uh, byline by uh, R- R- Ryan Savadera, and uh, he, he covers the story of, of what took place with, uh, with Kyler Murray. Um, it says this, uh, shortly after um, Kyler Murray won the Heisman, um, Scott Gleason, who covers social issues through a sports lens, wrote an article highlighting a couple of things that Murray had tweeted from when he was 15 years old. Uh, and it says this, but the, but the, but the Oklahoma quarterback's memorable night uh, uh, also helped resurface this is what the I'm sorry. This is what Gleason wrote in an article. But the but the Oklahoma quarterback's memorable night also helped resurface social media's memory of several homophobic tweets more than six years old. When when Murray was 15 years old, he had tweeted at his friends um, using an anti-gay slur to defame them. Right? Gleason embarrassingly included uh, this line in his piece. Quote, the Oklahoma Athletics Department did not immediately respond to an inquiry by USA Today Sports regarding the tweets late Saturday night. And quote, Gleason thought that OU's athletic department was going to respond to him late on Saturday night as they were celebrating one of their athletes winning the Heisman Trophy. Now, Murray has since said this. He says this, and I quote, I apologize for the tweets that have come to light tonight when I was 14 and 15. I used a poor choice of a word that does not reflect who I am or what I believe. I did not intend to single out any individual or group, end quote. Now, here's the thing. This is posted on his Twitter account at 2.11 a.m. on December 9th, December 9th. December 8th, he had just won the Heisman. He's tweeting that out. On December 9th at 2 a.m. 
in the morning. And so it, what it exposes is, is, is the power of the LGBT community and, uh, and what they're doing to ensure that their belief system, their religion uh, is followed. Um, they, they're, they're looking for any, anything that you've said or done in the past, and they're waiting for you to reach some level or height of, of, of success before they expose that, that thought, that idea. And what's being said and, and, and what, what's, being, what's being looked at as, as sinful, again, I, I, I don't know what, what anti-gay slur he used at the age of 14 or 15. To me, it's, it's, not, it's not relevant uh, anything that you say at 14 or 15, you know, I, I don't know that we want, I don't know that we want to go back that far. I, I just, I don't know that we want to go back that far, uh, and, and un- uncover what, what people m- might've said, uh, during that time. But, but again, according to, to, to the religion of the LGBTQ community, um, this is now a requirement. Uh, this is, this is now the standard, uh, you must comply you will comply to the standard that they hold. Uh, any idea that you share that is not in line with their viewpoint, they're going to hold you accountable. Um, they're going to require that you make atonement for this sin. Now, it'll be interesting in the days to come to see how the University of Oklahoma uh, responds. Um, you know, he's already apologized. But as, as I've mentioned earlier, these kinds of things, these kinds of sins uh, are not uh, easily atoned for by, by some of these in the community. The, 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 the good thing about, about this particular issue with regard to Kyler Murray and, and somewhat to, the, to, to a degree with, um, with Kevin Hart is that there's a, a backlash that's beginning to take place. There's a backlash that's beginning to take place. And, and the backlash is, is not from those on the religious right or on the conservative right. Uh, it, it's, it's, by, it's by, you know, peers. Um, and, 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 and they're responding in, in a great way. There's a, there's a, a line of, uh, of, of, re, of tweets and responses uh, replying to USA Today. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, a Twitter uh, a person who said this. When Murray was 15 years old, he tweeted the, uh, at, at his friends via his since-verified Twitter account using an anti-gay slur to defame them. Using, and, and I'm quoting, using dumb crap, he tweeted when he was 15 to ruin the greatest achievement of his life, end quote. So, so I, again, there, it, it goes on and on and on. These folks are really uh, upset that the point of of those who are part of USA Today and other news sources are, are, are using their time, their energy, their efforts to identify what someone might have said when they were 14, 15 years old and, and using that to tarnish, to diminish a great success uh, in their lives is, is, is something that is, is backfiring. It's absolutely backfiring on them but 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 what what I want to deal with in in the in the time that I have remaining are are two things I've kind of teed up three different scenarios for you all of them related in that it, it deals with the power the energy uh that is wielded by those who are in the LGBT community but we should not at all be surprised we should not at all be surprised that this is how uh, man responds to issues of sin. Daryl and I have talked about it so many times on this particular podcast that whenever we get away from a biblical standard for A, what we call sin, and B, how we atone for sin, we're likely to see the kinds of things happening in the culture that are happening. We're likely to see human beings right, who now have replaced God with themselves, making decisions about how sin, 
what they identify in an arbitrary way as sin or sinful, determining how those things are rectified, how those things are fixed. We, we, we see it with, with the social justice movement who uh, have taken issues around race and have determined that what Christ did upon a cross to atone for sin is insufficient. It's not enough. In the minds of those who are social justice warriors, there's much more that needs to take place in order for sin to be atoned for, right? The, 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 the other sins, their own sins, can be atoned for based upon what Christ did upon a cross. But the sin of, of racism, that, that's different, right? Because that's a sin that someone else has committed against someone who looks like them, now that sin needs to be atoned for differently. Now there is a different level of, 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 you know, of, of ways in which things need to be adjudicated for, right? You have to now become woke. And the problem with becoming woke is that your wokeness is only sufficient for a certain period of time until someone more woke than you comes up with a higher definition, a higher standard by which woke now needs to be defined. And so if, if, if it requires you uh, to check your privilege, well, then you need to do that. If it then requires you, once you've checked your privilege, to give up a position of power, then you now must do that. Now, if, if the position of power is insufficient, now you have, you have people advocating that you should set up accounts where you put money you've earned into in an effort to give it away to those who are of a different melanin count than you. And there's all kinds of ways to adjudicate for for sin now because we're away from a biblical standard that scripture has stated that we that we need to adjudicate for sin and and I, I'm going to I'm going to jump into the scripture here in just a minute. The same that's happened in the, in in social justice circles around issues of race are happening in this in circles around homosexuality right around same-sex marriage and this is where intersectionality comes into play right you you based upon the level of victimology the the, the level of victimization that you've quote-unquote experienced in the culture are now able to dictate the terms by which others must bow their knee and 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 pay for and repent of of their sin with that with with the time that that, that I have remaining I want to talk about what the scripture actually says. What, what does scripture actually say with regard to, to how we are to atone for sin? That, 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 what, what, is, what does it look like for sin to be atoned for, right? What, what happened 2,000 years ago uh, for us to, 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 to atone for sin? What does what the doctrine of atonement actually look like? I want you to turn, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to First uh, Corinthians, and I want to start in in chapter fifteen. First Corinthians, chapter fifteen, and again I'm reading from the ESV, the Elect Standard Version. And so, uh, with that, I want to I want us to turn uh, to First Corinthians, chapter fifteen, because I, I think Paul Paul makes it clear. Paul makes the gospel clear. Paul makes Paul makes what what atoned for our sins absolutely clear. He says this, and I'm reading 1 Corinthians 15 uh, chapter 15 verse 1 starts out this way. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Verse 3 says this. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some of them have fallen asleep. Verse 7. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. The scripture is absolutely clear that Christ died 
for our sins. That, that there's no there's no added work that's going to be attached to that. In fact, speaking of that, let me let me let me turn you to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. Uh, I, I, I want to actually start with our, with our condition. I actually want to begin in, 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 uh, in verse, verse 1. It says this, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Here's where scripture is clear, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What am I saying? I'm saying that we, we were dead in sin and trespasses. And the reality is that, that, that God sends his son in an effort to redeem mankind. Verse 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Scripture is absolutely clear that that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. And that the wages of our sin is death. That That's the full measure of what we've earned as a result of our sin. Thankfully, the scripture doesn't end there. It says that the free gift of God is eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. Not by our works, not by checking our white privilege, not by not by kowtowing to the next religion that comes along. But that if we have repented of our sin and placed our faith in Christ, our sins have been nailed to the cross for us never to carry the weight of them any longer. Now, does, does that mean that you don't apologize for some wrong that you've done? That, that absolutely does, does not mean that. It, it simply means that you aren't always looking to man for his approval for the sins that have been paid for by Christ and him crucified. You're not waiting for some human being to tell you that you're okay now, that you've been justified, that you've been made right in the eyes of man. Because of because of the decision that they've made about what you now must do in order to atone for sin, that you can walk clean, that you can walk uh, in in a, in a manner of of righteousness of holiness, um, man. I I just want to want to want to share this in an effort to encourage both both believer and non believer. And I want to encourage the non believer to know that there's 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 a religion of the world that will have you continuing to walk in in darkness. And in, an, and, in a, and in a place where your works will be required in order for you to atone for sin. Or there's a, a relationship that you can have with Jesus Christ that allows you to walk in complete freedom. Because he has paid for the, the, the penalty of our sin. And so it's, it's with that. I want to leave you with that. I'm thankful for all the listeners who take the time to listen. Man, I look forward to our, our brother Daryl. Uh, coming back and until next time join us for another edition of the just thinking broadcast